Hi, and welcome to episode five of the Saxophone Academy podcast. I'm Dr. Wally Wallace, and on this week's episode, I chat with my co-host and internationally recognized concert saxophonist, Susan Fancher, and we chat about vibrato, how we teach it, and how you can make yours better. We check out a new recording featuring Alexa Tarantino, and in the Working Pro section, we share some of our failures so you can learn from our mistakes. And we also answer some of your questions. And if you have a question for the podcast, please do hit us up on social media or email me, wally at gatecitysax.com. Well, that's nice to have him to say. surprised? Well, he's your husband. He has to. <laughs> Sue. Hey, Wally. How's it going? Good. How's your week been? Great. Yeah? Yeah, I'm on spring break. Oh, <laughs> from Duke. Woo-hoo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Wake Forest. Oh, both at the same time that lined yeah, up. I know, right? But of course, it was, does not line up with... With your daughters. Of course not. No, No, so I'm home. I have to be home. We can't travel. And this is actually a good thing. You think? Well, yeah, because I've got time to practice and I don't, you know. Yeah. So you had, I heard, a killer concerto performance last Mm -hmm. week. I played a concerto last week. How did it go? Check. (laughs) (laughs) I think it went really well. Yeah, the band was great and the conductor was great. Hey, the conductor was uh, Margaret Underwood, who turns out to be Dale Underwood's daughter. Oh, so daughter of a famous saxophonist. Yeah, so I go out a couple of weeks ago for a rehearsal with the Wind Ensemble. And I'm talking to her and she's doing, there's four concertos on this concert. And I'm like, wow, it's so awesome. And she was super enthusiastic about it. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. You're like, yeah. you know, a lot of conductors would be like, oh, I have to do these four saxophone concertos. And she's like, well, you know, my dad's Dale Underwood. I'm like, oh, I hadn't quite put that together. So that was really cool. That is cool. No, is and Dale, he was there. He played. Is he still teaching? He is still teaching. He's down in Miami. Miami. Cross okay. School, right? Isn't yeah. that what it's called? And then he played the Gershwin Fantasy at the end of the concert. And of course, he kicked all of our butts. <laughs> I doubt that, <laughs> no, too. No, he but... was amazing because, you know, he has that, like, I don't know. He's been doing this his whole life. Yeah. And he no, plays a, the a heck out of that Pioneer of, of what we do. And the Altissimo was incredible and, you know, chops and playing all kinds of notes. So, yeah, yeah the, the audience was like immediately on its feet when Aww. he finished. It was awesome. That's and really he's cool. he's the coolest guy to hang out with. I've heard nothing but good <laughs> things about him. Yay. Yeah, so it was great. And the wind ensemble played great. I was really happy. Okay. I did okay, too. <laughs> I, I heard not okay. I heard glowing reviews that you were awesome. Oh, good. And that it was a very cool piece from the people Phew. that I talked to. Yeah. Well, congratulations. It's a very cool piece. Yay, So thanks. what's what's on the docket? What are you doing now? Uh, now I'm digging into that Scott Lindroth premiere for March 30th on Duke Performances with the Chompy String Quartet. Nice. And, oh, I hope they're not listening, but I have to gloat just a little bit. Yeah. I'm, I'm feeling a little more relaxed about the piece. Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe this is dangerous. Let's knock on wood. Yeah, knock on wood. We're knocking on wood. The thing is that the string parts are really hard. Oh. So they asked if it'd be okay to take the tempo a little slower. And I was like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you guys have to. Well, if we have to, that'll be fine. So anyway, I'm going to be good. I'm going to be fine. (laughs) Oh, good. I'm going to survive it. And that's, you said the 31st of March. It's the 30th of March. Oh, 30th. Yeah, over at Baldwin Auditorium in Durham, North Carolina. And it's actually a totally cool piece. Love it. I'm looking forward to hearing it. Okay, excellent. So So, that's me. Lots of driving, Wally. Basically, I'm driving, driving, driving. Driving? Yeah. Oh. Because everything's far away from Greensboro. So I'm just driving. Well, not everything. <laughs> we've got like a we've got a target. Here we are. No, I mean my rehearsals and performances. Okay. Yeah. We've got Oh yeah, no, we got lots of shopping in Greensboro. You can shop in Greensboro. No, I'm all for like I think musicians <laughs> should move to Greensboro. Well yeah. Because we all have 
you know, most of us musicians have full-time jobs doing something outside of music anyway, most right. most people. So why not come to Greensboro, have a great cost of living, yeah, mild climate, great eating, great shopping, yeah, and a huge arts community. Yeah, we could just so, have this huge artist absolutely. musician commune. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's weird here. I love it. Yeah. So th- there's cool stuff going on in the world. Yes. Other than um than our performances. <laughs> No, come on. Interesting. Wally. So, so my my test this week is I've got an upcoming performance this summer, um, where it's Wally and the Sonnenots, uh, sci-fi geek music, uh, cool jazz thing that I do. And so I'm in the I'm in the heat of trying to arrange the nerdiest things I can think of for wow. 1960s cool jazz style. So this week I've been working on the Pac-Man theme. Um, oh, awesome! I'm not sure if I want to just put it on top of some existing um, you know chord changes or write some, yeah. but. It, I'm doing really important work. That is, sounds is so fun. It's going to be cool. So when is that gig? It's going to be? be part of the Eastern Music Festival Chamber Crawl. Oh, you're kidding! Yeah, so How I'm fun about is that? that? That's yeah, sometime yeah. in July, I guess. I should probably figure that out. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, but, but more importantly, now <laughs> I'm looking at like 1980s retro arcade music oh, too. Yeah, for, but it has to be through the the style of 1960s cool jazz. Nice. So I'm doing important work. Hey, that sounds. Which is why really my wife always fun. looks at me like, "What are you doing? <laughs> Go get a job." <laughs> So speaking of work, uh, yeah. an, an announcement for our listeners. If you are a pro or you're in school for the saxophone, you've made terrible life choices, and now you're <laughs> like, getting a bachelor's or master's, or you've really taken a wrong turn, and you're getting a doctorate in saxophone. Boy. <laughs> yeah, because you thought that'd be a good idea. Um, there is an opening uh, for the, uh, the United States Naval Academy Band. Right. And that is in D.C., I believe. It's a very good yeah. gig. Um, the audition date is April 29th. Um, you've got to send your resume by April 22nd. Um, these are great jobs. Yes. If you are a saxophonist, you would like to work. Um, and this is what they call the, the premier band jobs. They're a yeah. really different class. They don't work that many hours a day. Uh, the salary is going to be between fifty-eight dollars and $63,000 a year for yeah. playing your saxophone for a few hours a day, going on tour occasionally. The best health insurance on the planet. They have right. TRICARE, at least when I was in the Army, is what they called it. It's a really, really great job. I'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah. So if you want to work on the saxophone, um, it's a great, great What's job. What's the age limit, Wally? Oh, you know, it changes. <laughs> um, it, it, they take, it, it goes up there, at least okay. 35. <laughs> I'm aged out now, but not by that much. Okay, yes, so, you're um, <laughs> No, anyone under the age of 40 should look it out. Yes, um, absolutely, yeah. Check it out, yeah. It's a really, really I great mean, job. D.C., that's a great place to be based. Oh, yeah. oh and, my goodness. And, and the people that get these jobs, they have time to gig and do outside things. Yeah. Some of them teach adjunct at local universities. Level is super high. Yeah, yeah. So, and even if you don't think you could win the job, go and do it. Get Why the experience. Not? So, Go yeah. practice. <laughs> it's a great thing. Um, I highly recommend, if you're at all serious about the profession, um, if you've made terrible life choices, check that out as a job. Next. Too late for indes- us. Though. I know. We've, we've met our bed and we're lying. Yes. Oh, oh well. God. <laughs> New news has been going all over the internet, yeah. uh, interwebs. The Michael Brecker saxophone competition. Michael Brecker. So this is going to be a big competition. I'm imagining there's going to be a huge... Um, uh, participation. Yeah, I would for hope this. so. Yeah. First prize is twelve thousand five hundred dollars. Nice. Second prize is seven thousand five hundred dollars. Third prize is two thousand five hundred dollars. All those are good prize yeah. amounts. 
Um, there are going to be three rounds, and you have to get the first round in by March 31st. So the deadline's coming up. Still plenty of time to get something in. Uh, fill out the online application form. I'll put a link in the show notes. You need a letter of recommendation. Don't ask me. I'm up to my <laughs> eyeballs. And it's that season. I'm sure you're getting oh, them, too. Oh, yeah. Everybody needs a letter for something. Most yeah. of my spring break was filling out online. Uh, it's, ugh, yeah. I'm tired. Yeah. I just want to tell students, no, I don't like you that much. You weren't that good. <laughs> okay, I want to ask you for a letter. No Whoa, more. Yeah, I see how it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see. <laughs> um, now, here's the interesting part. So it's um, being held at the Red Sea Jazz Festival in Israel on August 25th through the 27th of this year. Wow. So if you make it to the second round or the third round, they actually fly you to Israel for those two rounds. Wow. Which I think is... I wonder why there. Well, because that's where the Red Sea Jazz Festival is. Oh, duh. I don't know. I mean, they're, they're going to call it, you know, like the Finger Lakes Jazz Festival. Right. It just doesn't sound as Lake Ocracoke Jazz Festival, but the Red Sea Jazz well, Festival. Well, you got a point there. Yeah. You got there. So yeah, obviously they yeah, named yeah. it, and then they said, oh, God, now we got to move it to Israel. Right. I imagine, What's the age limit? Uh, okay. So uh, citizen of the world between oh. ages 16 and 30. I oh. didn't make that up. This is coming from the, nice. the notes. So. Martians need not apply. <laughs> do, do Canadians count? I I think so. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, all, so. <laughs> all citizens of the world, including I'm, I always worry about my Canadian friends. Uh, you cannot have signed a record deal. Any records you've created mm. have to be on your own um, uh, that you released independently, and you must be willing to attend the semifinal and final rounds at the Red Sea Festival in Israel. So, cool. so go ahead and fill that online. You'll be sending in a recording. And I can't, I do not pity the judges, the amount of recordings they're going to have to screen. Can I tell you a Michael Brecker story? Please. So on my 30th birthday, Mark and I happened to be in New York City yeah. on my 30th birthday. He was touring with a saxophone quartet and I was just hanging out, which was cool. But Michael Brecker was playing at the Blue Note. Oh, nice. And we got tickets and I sat like 15 feet away from his bell. It was amazing. And Joey Calderazzo yeah, yeah, was yeah. playing piano. And he was a young kid just starting out then. And it was amazing. And I remember Michael Brecker saying, this guy's going to go places. You watch. And of course, he's amazing. He, yeah, yeah. Have you seen the, <laughs> so Brantford Marcellus just released a new record. Yeah. I think it was Brantford. Um, he with, plays with, with Joey, with Joey. Yeah, 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 right. yeah, yeah. And the album cover is, is kind of... Oh, I'm gonna shut up. Oh, uh, it's well, great. Just, <laughs> I mean, I've just been a big fan no. of Michael Brecker yeah. for like my whole yeah. life, and I'm just like when I got to hear him like live, fifteen. No, feet everyone from I his know bell. that even if they don't oh. love that aesthetic, they love him <laughs> as, a, as a, loved him as a human. I heard he was just a great. I never person. met him in person, but boy, what a saxophone player! Yeah. And it doesn't matter what style of music you like to listen to. He was just a great saxophone player. Oh, he changed. Player. Just so great, yeah. yeah. So, kids, apply to the competition. Yes. Even if you don't think you're gonna you're gonna win, I, I knew a trombone professor that said everyone needs to apply to Juilliard. Well, why? Well, to let you know where you are, because <laughs> he oh, wanted the students to get the yeah. students to like keep your ego in check, and do these things, and uh, you know get mm. some. And a lot of times, I don't think you'll get feedback on this one, but um, oh, the military oh, band auditions, yeah, you can mind. get feedback. Stick around and talk to the people auditioning you, and you can get some some great tips and Super feedback. Super useful, yeah, yeah, absolutely. One more competition. Okay, wow. Uh, the Big time 2019 Matthew Ruggiero International Woodwind Competition. It cycles the woodwind instrument, and this year it is for saxophone. And it's sponsored by the Boston Woodwind Society. Uh, and you have to send a video on May by May 31st is the deadline. Uh, single prize is $10,000, which wow. is great. Uh, the deadline, once again, is May 31st. I'll put a link in the show notes. Eligibility. Saxophonists who have not yet reached their 35th birthday. So that's 
Yeah. And that's that's it. So I guess you'll have college professors. You'll have yeah. anyone who plays the saxophone and needs $10,000. Which, Which is, is everybody. <laughs> hey, Wally, does it seem to you that there are just way more of these competitions now than there used to be when we were coming up through this that stage of our career? Oh, yes, which is why I don't have to announce the Saxophone Academy podcast competition. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but you're going to post links to all of these I things, will, right? I will. Awesome. Um, you are this, the best. This application fee for this is $100. The Michael Brecker is $75. Okay. And I'm not going to name any names, but there is a prominent... Uh, jazz musician on social media that has been complaining about the the, the application fee for the Brecker competition. Mm. I don't get it. I think it's completely reasonable because you have to yeah. pay the judges and the administrative costs. Yeah, and that's cost just money to do these. The way it goes. I guess it's a bummer for people who don't get out of the first round, right? Yeah, because they sort of feel like they had they paid the money to support the rest of the competition. That's, well, that's, but I mean, it, it costs money to put these things. That's on. everything. That's yeah. everything. Yeah. Everyone yeah. pays their gym membership. Only a few people get. <laughs> Actually go. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's also a music school. We all pay tuition and only a few of us end up with careers. That's life, kids. Pay your tui- pay your application fee. Um, so I'll put links in the show notes. These are all great opportunities yeah, to make absolutely. fame, fortune, and money Woo-hoo. on the saxophone. Now, there's another piece of cool news because yes. I understand you have now received, tried, <laughs> I, uh, and are ready to talk about yay, the, the Van Doren Pimo. Gold Mo from Van Doren. <laughs> we've, been, we've been excited about the, the paint gold we, for weeks. We now, now I think the joke is real. It's no longer a joke. We're going to talk about this ligature on every program. We're just going to slip yeah. like pink gold into like some state statement about something unrelated. Even, even if the words pink and gold happen at different ends of the... Yes, yeah. we have uh, to. We're, now we've gotten silly about it. So the thing is that... Uh, so David Gould and the lovely people at Danzer sent me a pink gold soprano sax ammo and a pink gold alto sax ammo. Okay. And I put them on and started using them immediately and they work great. Yeah. Now here's the disclaimer. I I mean, I I think that maybe there's a little difference in response and maybe there's a little difference in tone color, but I couldn't really tell you for sure, to be honest. So what I'm going to do before the next time so that we can talk about this again, Wally, is I'm going to have Mark, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have Mark actually um, put the ligature and read on the saxophone while I'm blindfolded Okay. and try to see if I can actually tell the difference between that and the regular gold or the regular lacquer. So we'll see. Okay. And being that there's (laughs) blindfolding in this, we have to call it 50 shades of pink gold. This test. Ooh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, This is exciting. So thus far, your initial impression was... Well, they play great. I used it on the concerto um, last week. So yeah, I just switched straight to the new ones. Why not? Yeah. Well, that's good. And you were playing on the gold lacquered one before or the... Yeah, Yeah, and that worked great. I, yeah, and they, they, what, what I like about the MO ligature is that the pressure goes perpendicular to the grain. Yeah. So there's two types of kind of ligature placements. There's the leather ones, which I just hate because. Yeah, they, they don't work that well. No, they pull away your reeds. Yeah. So what happens? You play your reed, it gets completely soaked. It dries out. This is for those that don't know. I'm not telling Sue. She knows this, obviously. They dry out. They warp. They start to pull away from the facing of the mouthpiece. A good, solid ligature holds it to the table of the mouthpiece, and it keeps playing even as it dries out a little bit as you play. Um, The leather ones just pull away right with the reed. Yeah. Um, And then the ones that run parallel to the grain, like the BG traditional, the Ishimori to to a lesser extent, I find I can get a little bit of ceiling issues with those kind of parallel to the grains. But the MO, it goes across the grain of the reed, really holds the whole front of the the reed to the table. They work great. And they're very reed-friendly. They sound great. Yeah. And now it comes. Yeah. 
in pink gold. No, it comes in pink gold. It doesn't really match my horn, but you know, it matched my jacket that I wore Deal on breaker. Saturday. So that we oh yeah, really I saw great. the picture. Yeah. Yeah, oh, see, I got this sparkly. Ava calls it my Elvis jacket. I love it. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. Woo. Yeah. So Lots will, going on. We will catch up next week with the the playing test of the pink gold, the blindfold test. <laughs> I better make sure I do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> If you lied about it, we would never know. But Sue has integrity. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, yeah, good thing it's not a video because I would just like turn pink in my face if I tried to lie. I can't do it, Wally. Oh. Just can't wall. I can't lie. I'm sorry. I could use this information against you at some point uh, while I live on the podcast. Yeah, it's true. While I have you in front of a microphone. It's true. <laughs> so um, what, what's next? In the studio, ah. we, we want to make people better players. We want to make us better teachers. Boy. What concept are we talking about this week? We're going to talk about vibrato. Yes. Which is, is scary. Is that the thing where, you, to talk where you wiggle your knees? Yeah. yeah and yeah. then it makes the sound kind of wavery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, vibrato. Yeah, 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 vibrato. Vibrato. What is vibrato? Everybody knows what vibrato is, I right? I hope so, yeah. I mean, if you're a singer, it's the... Well, that's pretty good. Oh, you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what is your approach? What are you thinking about with, with, with a vibrato? Well... You know, the traditional way to teach vibrato, and people have different notes they start on, but just pick a note, play a long tone, mm-hmm. straight tone first, obviously. Yeah. And then you work on pitch bends. That's sort of how, where we start. And everybody's like, what is a pitch bend? So if you play a note, and then you try to just pull your bottom teeth away, mm-hmm. or you can just think of it as your jaw going down. So, yes. and at some point, the sound will just <laughs> at break. At some point. Yeah. And usually, when you're doing this for the first time, it breaks like almost right away. Yeah. Because you, you have, and, and if you pull your jaw or your lip or your teeth or whatever you want to think yeah. about it, away from the reed, the sound just stops. But eventually, mm-hmm. you learn how to how to voice or how to compensate with the side of your embouchure, and you can go, and this is really important, not just for vibrato, but also for tuning and for learning how to do scoops and jazz, right? And glissandi and jazz. So that's where I start. Now, here's a question for you, Wally. Yeah. I've got a student right now who's learning vibrato, just starting out learning vibrato. And so when he tries to do it, I'm having a hard time getting him to move his jaw down. Instead, he moves it forward ah and so i guess i got to get him in front of a mirror so he can see what he's doing but he actually is really moving his jaw forward so i'm i'm putting vibrato on hold because i don't, don't want, want him to do the wrong motion. thing yeah because yeah, he's going to hurt himself eventually right. yeah that's but anyway good. you do those pitch bends and and then you try going kind of slow up and down and you just work to get it a little bit faster maybe use a metronome maybe <clears throat> definitely use yeah. a metronome yeah see if you can do four undulations at 60, for example. That's a good starting point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And don't let it be wah, wah, wah. So it looks like a sawtooth. You want it to look like a sine wave. So that's sort of the basic way to get going on vibrato. It's really, um, it's something you should probably put into your playing pretty soon, sooner than we usually get people to do it. Maybe once Amisher is stable, year two, year three at the latest. Latest, yeah. And I find that it's really hard to learn if you haven't if you haven't learned it soon enough. But it's not impossible. Nothing's yeah. nothing's impossible. That's true. So. I learned to ride a bike yesterday. So yeah, how'd it go? It. it was. I mean, are you hurt? Well, I took a wheelchair to get to the studio. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, you can pick that up later. Yeah. So do you, do you use a, a specific syllable when you teach vibrato? Usually, wah, 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 closer to wah, like W U H maybe okay. wah. 
Do you have one? I do. And I Let have me lots of, would you yeah. believe I have really See, nerdy thoughts about this? I am not surprised. And I love that you've thought about yeah. these things really rigorously. I'm telling you, I'm so to. old school. I came from, you know, up through where nobody like really gave a lot of thought to this. It was kind of like, do this. Yeah. And the kids who couldn't just do it, I don't know what happened to them. And so if you They're could just engineers do it, and, and well, doctors now. Mm, okay then. <laughs> Darn it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so poor me, I was able to just do this stuff with right. this quote unquote lousy instruction. Yeah. <laughs> so give it to us okay, with so all the rigor here. I learned Wally. with my first teacher, which is fine, the wa syllable. My issue with wa is it does involve lip movement, mm. which slightly alters the embouchure. I don't think right. we want to change our embouchure for a number of reasons. If you're in the altissimo and you want to add vibrato, like you should, so you don't give people nosebleeds, then we want <laughs> our embouchure to be very stable, so we want just the jaw motion, like Sue right. was talking about, an up and down of the jaw motion, kind of a, a very vertical chewing motion, not forward and backwards. Right. So I really like the syllable vo. Vo. Now, I've heard uh, oh, some of the teachers good. have had use the va, V-A-H syllable. I like vo because of the shape vo. of the oral cavity, which is more neutral. So I have my students put on the metronome at 60 and start with just three vo, 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 mm. vo, 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 Yeah. Vo. This is a weird science fiction, like even, alien heartbeat. Probably even wo would be better than wa, right? Because wa really moves yeah. it. Ah, yeah, some of the old school boobs do teach. I, like I think that. Larry Teal actually in his book, I think the VAH, which is not bad. Right. Most importantly, it's that. using the jaw. Right. So we practice very um, structured and very metronomic, and you have to keep up with this. You talked to this about an earlier podcast. You got to work on vibrato, especially if you're classical saxophonist, fairly oh, regularly because yeah. these micro. Oh, yeah. And it's the first thing to go. If you take a month yeah. off in the summer, which is a wonderful thing to do. I love it. Not if you're a student. Yeah. But, <laughs> but if you're playing hours you're and hours Sue's and students, hours. Yeah, yeah. Then, yeah, take a break. But, <laughs> but even my students, I tell them, we'll take a break, not a month. Yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah, you come back and the vibrato's gone out the window. Yeah. It's just gotten un, yeah, uneven or too wide. These or tiny oh, little yeah. motions of the jaw yeah. that we have to train. Yeah. yeah. And so... Um, Tip number one, I really like the syllable vo. That's worked well for me and my students. I also have a variety of tempos, everyone from three beats at 60 all the way to four at around 88. I think anything faster than four undulations at 88 starts to sound like Sidney Bechet, which if you're not Sidney Bechet, don't try to sound like Sidney Bechet. (laughs) Um, And then the other thing is, well, there is a little bit of, you know, bad band directors in the French uh, (laughs) are making this confusing. Here's what I mean. Band directors who have not studied the saxophone seriously, which is understandable. Sure. When I was I was a band director for a couple of years, and I gave horrible information on the flute. But, well, because you're not a flutist. Right. I should have been a better <laughs> band director and studied it, but I didn't because I just needed the paycheck. But oh, I, I kid. I'm not kidding. Um, but there's the question of, well, jaw, well, I've heard I should do air vibrato, a pulsation, or an uh. intensity vibrato, like a flautist or a brass uh. player where we do pulsations. And the, there are a couple of French players that do this marvelously. Yeah. Um, Claude Delon yeah. does an air, a pulsation, an intensity vibrato. Um, I believe Vincent David, another fantastic French player, does the same thing. There are some really good European players that do a breath or pulsation or air intensity vibrato. I did not even know that that's what they were doing. You have a life. That's why I, I've talked. But I listen to them and I can't yeah. really tell. Yeah, so they that's do that. Good. And it's beautiful, but yeah. I find it... Well, here am I going to, I'm not critiquing the oh professor of saxophone at the Paris Conservatory. <laughs> Paris Conservatory. But here's the thing. <laughs> if you, if you want to play jazz 
and you do. Of course um, you do. Yeah. You cannot use that that type of vibrato for jazz. Will not work. You will get yeah. you'll get a wedgie. You will get your lunch money taken, and you will not get called back again. To uh, to uh, mimic the idiosyncrasies and the beauty and the style of of American jazz, which is I think all yeah. saxophonists need to have a working knowledge of at least. Um, it, it needs to be a jaw vibrato for a multitude of reasons, like you, you said. That, yeah, you can't do all those scoops yeah, and glissandi yeah, you and cannot, effects. You can't do those without the jaw movement. Exactly. Yeah. You, you cannot sound the, like the fluff of Stan Getz. You cannot sound no. like the the wonderful um, bends of Kennibal Adderley without right. using some uh, motion of the jaw. Even the subtone, you, you, know? need, you need that kind of voicing and lip control. Right. And, yeah, so jaw I'm a big control. fan of, yeah. of jaw vibrato. So totally. I really don't like the, the breath or pulsation or... Gosh, I didn't um, even know anybody limiting. was There's, doing that. There are a yeah. couple of European players, and I've had some friends that studied with them. They sound great, but it yeah. is limiting in the styles and genres. Yeah. And I don't think we have need to learn different styles of vibrato for the genres we want to play. That no. sounds needlessly confusing. Right. The other issue is that's incredibly hard to do in the very low end of the instrument. Yeah. Uh, because you're filling up that huge conical bore. You can't really let your airstream. Yeah. And the other thing is I want my airstream different and separated from my vibrato. Yeah. I want to be able to mess Same. with the color of my airstream and the color of my vibrato independently. I think that gives us a lot more palette. Yeah, think about a violinist. You know, mm-hmm. they use one part of the body for the vibrato and another part of the body for, yes. for bowing. And I think that, that that's like a that. good good way to think it's, of it. Yeah. yeah, and especially in the altissimo, it's very difficult to do that that oh, fast yeah. with any... Because I think we need a certain speed. Yeah. Would you agree with the rule of thumb, generally slower vibrato in the low range, faster the vibrato Absolutely, in the generally speaking, yeah. yeah. Yeah, if you do a, a slow vibrato on a high note, it sounds really weird. <laughs> let me, well, then let me put you on the spot. Um, so... I'm sure we both agree when teaching vibrato, there's no better way, because we could talk about it till we're blue in the face. Yeah. It should be fluid, round, a spinning motion. Yeah. But we have to get a sound, an aural presentation in the student's head. Yeah. So what is like your go-to recording of a saxophonist that you think has beautiful vibrato? Well, me. Obviously, <laughs> you're going to check out Sue Fancher's recordings. So we play with well, our students. Okay, but disclaimer, you know, I'm yeah. not perfect either. I don't always love everything I do. But <laughs> Oh, goodness, that's a great question. Um, you know, I used to have a, I think I still have a recording by Michael Hester. Oh, gorgeous vibrato. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Lovely singing vibrato. There's lots of people playing with good vibrato now. You'd think I could think of a whole list. Hester Um, was my favorite and I studied with him for a lot of years in Tucson. Um, um, a mentor of mine and friend of mine. And, but unfortunately you can't get those recordings anymore. Uh, They're out of print and he's now a vegan poet. Good for him. Yeah, he's living life well in the two foothills. So, but you know, vibrato is one of those things, Wally, that's really evolved in the saxophone world agreed. over the last, like, my lifetime, last 30, 40 years listening. And even people who used to have, like, a really, oh, kind of vibrato, I can't really, yeah. I can't really sing it, um, now have changed to something that's just makes a lot more sense. And maybe just the style has changed in all instruments, but saxophone vibrato. We've come a long we've way. We've come a long, long way. way. I mean, baby. I hear the, the young players I hear, mm-hmm. you know, when I go to, to competitions and conferences, they sound great. Yeah. Yeah. No, really I know what you great. used to be, uh, not that many years ago, you, oh, there were some God. players with some weird yeah. vibratos and it was kind of like, yeah. well, that's, we're all kind of figuring it out and I guess that's okay. But like, now we kind of have a more uh, refined it distorted. It would distort the tone and yeah. the pitch, and it would just sound very strange. Um, Jim Umble's a great, got a beautiful sound and beautiful vibrato. I'm okay. To think of other players. I will research that yeah, for the we'll, next podcast. Yeah, we'll yeah. find some good. Like, let's yeah. for next week. Let's or next. And maybe we can podcast. play like a clip or two of yeah, yeah. like of some, some of our vibrato. favorite uses of yeah. plasma vibrato. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for jazz, I really obviously um, 
Stan Getz has a oh. beautiful, lush, wonderful yeah. vibrato. Um, you could mimic John Coltrane's vibrato, but you're going to be um, waiting a while. He does <laughs> distinctly <laughs> not using much of it. Distinctly which is, doesn't which is, do much. <laughs> which is so neat. That's one of the things I yeah. love about the saxophone. You know, if I listen to a classical pianist, I might be like, I'm not sure who that is. Yeah. But the saxophone, as you can tell, instantly, it's such yeah. a sound signature. And vibrato is very, very personal and very I individual. Know. Yeah. Oh, I know. If you want to make someone mad, yeah. make fun of the vibrato. <laughs> yeah. So, um, do you have any books or any like uh, recommendations, resources for the the students out there that maybe d- aren't sitting with a great teacher but want to learn more how to some exercises that you for recommend? vibrato? Yeah. Well, you know, really, just get your get your metronome on and play some vibrato with with the metronome. You know, get your mm-hmm. boat to aria out and play it like a vibraphone where yeah. you turned on the vibraphone and it goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, whoa, and when whoa, we're whoa, training, whoa, whoa. it does sound mechanical. Yeah, and, yeah just absolutely. do a real regular one because, you know, that's not how we're going to play. Eventually, right. you're going to, you know, do a straight tone and add the vibrato yeah. or, or the opposite or just hit a note, be able to hit a note with vibrato or, or straight tone and then add vibrato. But make sure you're deciding and not just taking what's easy. Yeah. Right. You know, I have, I, it's very easy to start a note without vibrato and add it to every note. And if we do that all the time, it sounds very affected, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, there are some older players that did do that. Yeah. Every note started without, and then you're right. It's all right. So but, we got to vary it. But if you if you want to do that, okay, go for it. That's right. your your decision. But but it's but like make, pap- it's like yeah. paprika. It yeah. needs to be a choice and yeah. not all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And make sure you can go wee, you know, right yeah, yeah, away yeah. on a note Absolutely. if you really need to. Well, I think yeah. I, I listen to a lot of violinists, and I'm a huge fan of Hilary Hahn. I think is my favorite musician on the planet. Uh, um, well, Sorry to interrupt, but one of the things I was going to say, if you want to listen to good vibrato, maybe go listen to violinists. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. the way they approach it, and the yeah, it's it's good. I really like uh, Larry Teal's saxophonist workbook. It does yeah. have a great chapter on vibrato. It's got vibrato exercises, a diagram of the right, the wrong, you know, where there's yeah. a good EKG that's gone awry yeah. um, <laughs> in the spinning motion. So um, I will link to the Larry Teal saxophonist workbook if, if you're not with a good teacher. That's um, just great for so many things. It's it just is. just really comprehensive. Yeah, yeah, I've gone through two or three copies oh, um, yeah. over the years of teaching and yeah, and just not they, losing, just getting worn out and awesome. Yeah, yeah. dog eared and, <laughs> and coffee stained. Um, and I will say one of the biggest problems I find with young players that the one of the biggest pitfalls when you're teaching vibrato to a young student, or if you yourself are trying it for the first time, most students start to back off their airstream when they start moving their jaw. Right. They subconsciously back off their airstream, pull yeah. back their airstream. So what I like to do is have the students do straight tone. Yes. Hold it and then feel like they're crescendoing slightly as they add vibrato. And I found that was a way to get through. Even my dumbest students could seem to figure that. <laughs> when I, I mean me, actually. <laughs> I was actually going to just say that go back to straight tone yeah. anytime you feel like, I don't know if this is sounding very good. Go back to straight tone and get a good sound and, and then, then add, add the vibrato. Without altering the airstream. Keep the air going. Blow yeah. into that music stand if you have to. Matter of fact, right now we'll insert a clip of what that sounds like. Awesome. because we don't have our sex ones out right now. Yeah. Yeah. So vibrato, use it. 
Yeah. Shake it good, kids. And it's it's a pain to learn. You think you're not going to get it. Just hang in there and keep working at yeah. it. It's really important to get over that hump and be able to do it. It is. Yep. And if you're teaching it, don't give up on your students. Don't give don't, up on your students. We don't need more engineers or doctors in the world. We need more great saxophonists. We need so. great saxophonists. Yeah, and I am so. going to use the vo-vo-vo with my, with my guy who's doing the, the back and forth oh, motion and stuff up and down, and I'll oh, report back. Yeah, because I can't, I can't move my jaw well, incorrectly if I say, But you kind of can. You kind of mm-hmm. can feel how you yeah. can go for it. Okay, yes, I've thank had you. such interesting <laughs> students that force me into these solutions. That's great. I'm not a bright man. I've just been faced with the right challenges. <laughs> well, this is why we're doing this yeah. show, because it's good for us, too. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so it's time <gasps> to... Recordings, you're busy. I'm busy. Everyone's yeah, busy. We're busy. We're know? all busy. Uh, there's lots of great things on on Netflix, oh, uh, Umbrella yeah. Academy. If you haven't watched it, it's I haven't fantastic. watched it. Is it good? It's fantastic, based okay. off on, on, a, on a comic book series that I love. I mean, I've heard that some people love. Not that I play <laughs> comic books. Um, a lot of good stuff. So some recordings may slip through the cracks that you're not aware of. Yeah. So this week, um, we found a recording um, that we like. Yeah. Very much. It sounds it, beautiful. It is jazz music or jazz, it's as jazz. we call it in the South. Uh, and the saxophonist is Alexa Tarantino. recommended to me to, to check out by another person that I'm going to remain nameless because okay. once again I don't care <laughs> um, and the album is hold on let me pull up my notes uh, it's a band that was put together kind of like a studio project where this Mark Free a producer who owns Positone Records put together a group and it's called Something Blue is the name of the group and the album is called Maximum Enjoyment yeah. and I will say I did have nearly maximum Enjoyment. I enjoyed this recording. So I was doing some work in, on the on the front door of my house yesterday. You know, yeah. every once in a while I do that quote-unquote handyman thing. I love to do home improvement, and, and uh, Mark and I both love to do these projects by myself. So I had this And you're record. not even being sarcastic. You No, was, I really did. Okay. I, it was beautiful weather here in Greensboro yesterday. The mm. dog was at the doggy daycare place, so I could have the front door open. <laughs> I almost made Wally choke laughing. Okay. <laughs> no, but it's true. I took okay. the dog to the doggy yeah. daycare and I could have the front door open and ripped off the molding that wasn't sealing well. And I put some new molding on there. Are you impressed? I Yeah. And now I'm feeling really guilty because Erica would love these kind of things to happen. But I just like, I'll call, I'll call someone. <laughs> well, do, does she want to give me her honeydew list and I'll help? No, because she'll <laughs> replace me. So oh, no. <laughs> let's move on. But to, anyway, yeah. I was listening to this recording, so I can't tell you specifically like which tunes I loved. I right. loved them all, but I just really enjoyed listening to this album. It sounds great. All the players are great. Oh, there's some, yeah. some guy on tenor sax, Sam Dillon, too. So there's oh, so two good. sax players yeah. in there. And I love the trombone player. I don't know his or her name yeah, so on, off the top of my head, but th- and, great uh, Alexa plays alto on right. this, and she's um, really featured on most tracks. Yeah. There's a dynamite trombone player named Nick Finzer, I don't know, Sam Dillon on tenor sax, sounds fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Art Hirahara on piano. Yeah. Dynamite. Uh, Boris Kozlov, we all ignore the bass anyway, but no, he's, <laughs> oh. no, he sounds great. Oh, awesome. And Rudy yeah. Boyson on drums. All oh, like you said, it was just... Oh, man. So just I, great music and great playing. Yeah. And um, the tunes, I think, were they were all written for this or they were from the Positone label, so I didn't uh, have to pay uh, licensing fees. Okay, so, so they're tunes that were released earlier. Yeah, on and other I think recordings. Alexa, oh. and I've reached out to her, um, and we'll update uh, next podcast. I believe Alexa wrote most, or at least some of those tunes. They're good tunes. Cool. But I, as a player, I just really loved yeah. her alto playing. 
Yeah, great sound. Talk about good vibrato. Oh, Go listen to her. Oh, oh yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. What a, a magnificent. So there's such a, a flexibility and fluidity to her playing. Yeah. Um, that was, but it's steeped in the tradition. You can hear elements that she has obviously studied Cannonball, yeah. Adelaide, you know, and Parker, and you could hear that. It's a very informed sound, but it's also very fresh, very yeah. imaginative. Yeah. Um, well, she's relatively young and based in yes. New York, so mm-hmm. I, I read a little on her bio, so she's an Eastman grad, and that's mm-hmm. a pretty good school, right? Yeah, East, <laughs> mm, yeah. yeah, I guess. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Anyway, they all sound great. Yeah. Great, great group. They really should do more enjoyed, together. <laughs> really enjoy. Oh, I know. It was yeah. a great project. Uh, and she's got some solo albums too. We should check out. I'll link this recording in the show notes. Yeah. Really enjoyed her playing. And I just thought, just refreshing her playing. I think she's yeah. getting a master's at Juilliard right now, I read. Okay. Or she may have finished at this point. Hey, no one, is Ron Blake teaching there at Juilliard? You know, I have n- Yes, he is. He went to school with me at Northwestern. No we were way. in the same class way. I know. Okay. I'm famous Ron Blake because for the I'm Center friends. Live band. Yeah, because yeah, I'm yeah. friends with Ron. That's my claim to fame. Okay. <laughs> That's a good claim to fame. You know, yeah. my claim to fame is I once played a gig at a bakery and Michael Stipe, the singer of R.E.M., was there. No way. And he looked up and left. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I'm it. sure it had nothing to do with you. No, he, he, the look on his face made it seem clear that he wanted to enjoy coffee and a pastry, and that was not making that morning better for him. So, Well, you know, the saxophone is not a quiet I'm instrument. sure there's a... There's a no, it, I just don't think he was a fan of... of yeah, anyway, it's fine. Maybe his ex-wife was a saxophone Maybe player. I shouldn't I'm, go just, s- I'm just joking. I don't even know the guy. Oh, no, I don't think he's been married. Okay. I, also, maybe I shouldn't have gone stand next to him and maybe... Gyrating Wally. motions, yeah. <laughs> Jeez. So maximum enjoyment. The band something blue. Go the, enjoy and it. And the saxophonist we're really wanting to to that is really featured on that that we really just kind of fell in love with this week. Alexa Tarantino. Yeah. Um, Dynamite Young. And Didn't know her. Yeah. Great. Some great things. And I think yeah. she also teaches like the the education program at Jazz and Lincoln Center. Well, there you have it. Yeah. So Good. Probably know, probably knows what she's doing. Yeah. So Sue. Where are we now? Are you working? I am working. How are you? I'm working. It's time for the working pro or tales from the working pro. (laughs) So every now and then we can learn, we could tell you, yes, do this, do that. I have a career development course where I tell college students, do this, do that. Don't do this. Um, But I think often we can learn by example. And you had this great idea of. Oh, yeah. I said, hey, how about if we just tell stories of things that we've done or have happened to us on gigs? Things that you can (laughs) learn from our mistakes. Yes. So I want to hear. What is your tale from The Working Pro? Well, I could sit here and tell you tales for hours, but I chose a couple to share. So the first one was when I was a member of the Vienna Saxophone Quartet. And you know how after a concert, you know, you go and you, you talk with the audience and, you know, that's some of the, the best yeah, fun after absolutely. a concert and just get some feedback. And also you just get to meet people and talk to people. I love that. So, you know, I was playing soprano saxophone because I play soprano saxophone <laughs> a lot with quartets. <laughs> this makes sense now. Okay. I'm tracking. And, and it was one of those performances in a hall where, you know, there's a relatively low stage. And so after the the, the performance, we just kind of stepped off the stage and people came up to talk to us. And I was standing there holding my soprano sax and, you know, I was getting tired of holding it. So Uh I set it down on the stage. 
I stood it up on its bell, Wally, which you never do, right? Oh, you yeah. never just stand a soprano saxophone on its oh, bell. No. That's a really dumb idea. Yeah. So I stood it there, and then I thought to myself, oh, wait, that's a really dumb idea to have my saxophone just standing there on right. its bell. So I reached over to grab no. it and knocked it over. Oh. <laughs> it was fine. I mean, it had to get some repairs, but after that, it was yeah. fine. <laughs> So don't do that. So bring a stand or... <laughs> yes, or hold on to it and your wrist will recover. So... <laughs> Isn't that silly? So that's a silly thing. You want to hear another really dumb thing I did? Yes, I do. So again, when I was in the Vienna Saxophone Quartet, we had this one piece we were playing by Friedrich Serha, who is a very famous composer in Austria, um, probably known better to the rest of us and, and probably not that many of us, but as the composer who finished Berg's Opera Lulu. Mm-hmm. So he was a student of Alban Berg. So it's a very famous composer. And we were very excited that he finally agreed to write a piece for the Vienna Saxophone Quartet. But the only way he would do it would be if we would al- if we would allow him to write for multiple saxophones for each player. So each player had to oh. play two saxophones. So I had to play soprano and alto. The alto player had to also play tenor. Barry player had to play alto, I don't know, something like that. Everybody yeah. had to play a different horn. So we had to bring eight saxophones. Oh, geez. And I had this really awesome, it's actually Mark's uh, soft pack that fits two saxophones. You can fit an alto in there, and then there's this like foam tray you lay in there, and yeah. you lay the soprano in there. I don't remember what company made these. And it's a canvas bag, so it's pretty, it's pretty fragile. You don't want anything to happen to your two saxophones. Yeah. It looks like a tenor case, but it's a double pack for alto and soprano so I packed up my saxophones in that I had put my mouthpieces and extra stuff in like somebody else's case because it just made the case so bulky yeah and I set it aside in the apartment so it would be safe because we're loading suitcases and saxophones to go to Salzburg to play a concert where we're playing this piece we get in the the car we get to Salzburg and we're unloading the van and I'm like Hmm. Oh, no. Where's my brown saxophone case? I had left both of my saxophones oh, no. back in the, the apartment. Was this the premiere of the piece? No, but it, you know, it was a performance of this piece oh. on a pretty big concert. So oh, I had left no. both the saxophones back in Vienna. So, but I had my mouthpieces because I had put them in somebody else's case. So that was by good. accident for by the bulkiness. Accidents. It was not a failsafe redundancy. No, no, not at all. I hadn't thought anything of it. And and it turned out that um, Mark played alto on a different movement from when I needed the alto. So yeah. we could share an alto as it turned out. And I had my mouthpiece and reeds. And anyway, we're married, so I could play on his mouthpiece yeah, yeah, yeah. and reeds. It wouldn't be too grody. But I needed a soprano sax. So here we are. It's just a few, you know, a few hours before this concert's supposed to happen. Right. So we call the local music store there in Salzburg and ask them if they've got a soprano sax that we could borrow. Uh-huh. Well, they didn't, but some guy had recently purchased a Selmer Series 3 soprano. Oh, and good we fortune. called up that guy and he answered the phone back in the good good old days where you could call somebody yeah, yeah. and get an answer on the yeah, phone yeah. and asked if we could borrow the saxophone for the concert. And he said yes. Oh, that's fortunate. He said yes. Yeah. And so we got the saxophone. I played I played on it and we got it back to him. So everything worked out. But oh my God. 
That was in, in oh, what a panic! Oh I felt like the biggest idiot on the earth. In in the uh, in in the plays and literature, that's called Chekhov's gun, where you have something where if you showed an act one, it has to happen. So that canvas bag that you had tucked right. away was that foreshadowing. So when we make right. the the short film of this, we're we're gonna zoom in <laughs> on that canvas bag, and we're gonna know something bad's gonna happen with that canvas Oy. bag. But you know, there were so many saxophones in the car. There were still six yeah. saxophones in the car, even without my two. So like, so it enough. seems like there's plenty. Plenty. <laughs> it didn't occur to me to. To check to make sure. So the the problem with that piece is you have to bring along yeah. eight saxophones. It's well, crazy. I love that. There's enough saxophones in the car. It's like when I go on vacation with the kids. We have enough goldfish and juice boxes. We're fine. You know. That's all you really yeah, need. Yeah. Well, maybe vacation we should make sure we have the exact ones we need. Boy, they. Yeah. So that. So yeah. Okay. There's maybe a takeaway lesson. Yes. Now I do something really interesting. I had to do this when I was in the army, man, because there were so many things you had to remember with like uniform parts oh, and stuff like that. Oh God. Yeah. So. Aviation and space flight, and this seems like a big non sequitur, and it kind of is, but it's amazing how safe air, air flight is and NASA's track record for, yeah. I mean, we've had horrible disasters, yeah. but considering what they do, how safe they are, all things considered. True. Um, and a part of that is the checklist. Uh, um, so I actually developed, <laughs> God, I'm such a nerd, a checklist of everything I need to do where I will actually go through and check off that because I, I have a reasonable high level of anxiety. Where like I'll be in the car and, and think, oh, did I pack that? And then I can't yeah. relax. And then I'll yeah, pull yeah, over yeah. at an Arby's on high, I-85, <laughs> open up my case to see, make sure I have my neck strap. Yeah. And so I found a checklist. Been there. Yeah. And then <laughs> it's really, really helpful. Yeah. Um, so send me 1995. Uh, my PayPal is Wally at and I will send you my checklist. Okay. Um, <laughs> ham sandwich. Check. That sounds yeah. great. Xanax. Check. Yeah. Hey, I have a feel good why we do this story. Oh, I want to hear it. Here's the thing. So this is when I was in the Roland Phones saxophone quartet back in Stockholm, Sweden, and we finished a concert. And we did a lot of light classical and kind of light, light jazz kind of stuff, right. that showtime stuff I was talking about. And so really beautiful concert programs we would do with that group. And I loved it immensely. And one concert in particular, I remember afterwards, a woman came up to us and you could see she had been crying. She had been so moved by this performance. And she told us that it had been a terrible day for her. She was a social worker and had had oh. to... I think take a child away from a, a family or something yeah. like that. It had just been an awful day and she had dealt with ugliness all day and she wasn't going to come to the concert because she was exhausted. But in the end she decided, well, you know, you know, I'm going to go to this concert. I had planned on going to this concert and she thanked us for just reminding her that there was beauty in the world. Uh-huh. I know. And it's like, okay, every time I feel like, Oh gosh, why am I doing this? Why am yeah. I in this racket? I re I remember that story and it, it always, kind of reminds me why we do this because it is really it is a really beautiful thing i mean if you are living if you're lucky enough to live in a place where you can make music and play music you know things are going okay because it's a fairly esoteric thing right i mean you don't have to have music to um to get i mean you need food and you need shelter you need those things it's pretty high up in the hierarchy of needs yeah. yeah, but, you know, music, and of course you can make all kinds of arguments about, well, what would life be without music? Yes, yes, agreed 100%, but really to survive physically, you don't need music. No. I, so if you're able to provide music or listen to music or enjoy yeah. music, same is true of poetry and art and things like that, dance, mm-hmm. you know, then, wow, you're living in a pretty good situation if you can 
take advantage of those That's a great things. attitude. Yeah. And that reminds us, uh, of especially those that are students studying music in school, yeah. like in college, and the pros, a lot of us battle ego, worthiness, imposter syndrome, mm. the green monster jealousy, because mm. social media makes it, we see what oh, all our colleagues are doing. Oh my gosh. And I think remembering that just what a privilege it is to make music for other people. And Amen. Can, if we can have feel that gratitude rather than, I'm being very sincere. I don't like yeah. this. It feels uncomfortable to me. But, yeah. but honestly, <laughs> but I mean this. Is, I actually do yeah, mean this sincerely. That absolutely. Quit thinking about what Johnny or Jenny's doing that's better than you, yeah. or what gig you didn't get, or what chair placement, or what job you really want. And think like if you can make music that moves someone, how yeah. privileged we are. Huge, yeah. huge privilege to be able to make music. I agree. Yeah. Can I tell you my embarrassing story from the front lines? I would love to hear All your right. embarrassing story. So it was. Story. Uh, I was a young sax when I was. I think I was maybe the end of my bachelor's degree. And I got hired to play with the Charleston Symphony, which is a pretty good group, pretty yeah. good symphony. And it was a pops concert, obviously. So they hired, I think, five or six saxophonists. It was a nice. Lot. And so I show up. I'm really nervous. It was my first time playing with anything approaching a good orchestra. Wow. And I was really scared. I was a terrible sight reader at the time. Um, and I show up, and I was super early. And you know, <laughs> of course, quintuple check makes my my tuxedo <laughs> and my had you know more reads than I could shake a stick at. And I'm getting ready, and I'm going to go find my chair. And they'd already had the folders laid out, you know, in the chair where you go find your seat. Oh yeah. And so I went and found the the I was playing baritone saxophone, and I saw the baritone saxophone, and so I go there and I go to sit in my chair, but there's this large metal box in my chair. It sounds like a sci-fi movie, and it was about yeah. the size of a shoebox, but it's perfectly square. And like a digital readout had some buttons and some knobs Whoa. and like something that looked like antenna. I, I didn't know what it was. And it was right in my chair. And I was like, oh, uh, and I looked around, but sure enough, this was my chair. Yeah. So I picked it up and I go to set it on the side of the stage very carefully, hoping it doesn't blow up or right. <laughs> call in aliens or something like that. And right as I'm getting to the side of the stage, a viola player starts screaming at me. Oh, put that down. Put that back. That goes right where it is. You don't move that. And started like just Wait. really, and like my, and I was just, you know, a oh, 20 no. year old kid, yeah. but in tears, I think it's my first big symphony job. And I, I was about <laughs> you to You haven't even played a note no, and you're getting in and trouble. I, and so my heart is racing. And I think, oh, I'm already fired. I'm never going to get hired again. My music career is over. They're going to call my, my professor back at the college. And so I, I, I hobble back and I just, I set oh. it back in the chair. And I'm standing, so I get on my instrument. <laughs> You're like, where am I supposed to sit? Yeah, sin? and so I get on my instrument, because I was really early. There's no one else really to help me except right. this, this grouchy <laughs> viola player. And as well as this person that had been in the, in the orchestra so long, they probably really took their job for granted. Uh, yeah. And so there's this grouchy viola player and me, <laughs> and I'm standing next to my chair holding this baritone saxophone looking at my seat, which I don't want to sit in. And I was so young and inexperienced, I didn't think like I could just sit in another chair in the meantime. Right. And so finally... Well, because somebody might come and yell right. at you because you're in their chair, I know, and I was so scared, so I was standing holding this baritone saxophone like an idiot. And then a few minutes later, the woodwind section all starts shuffling in because they got there at their normal time. Right. And, you know, only 10 minutes before rehearsal. Right. And finally, um, one of the other um, saxophone players hired for the gig um, looks at me quizzically and his I think it was his wife was an oboe player so she was a regular member that yeah. obviously how he got the gig right and and, and they're looking at me and, and I was like and like you okay I was like oh, I, I, I was told I can't sit down here and she busts out laughing she's like oh god just put it under your chair and I was like but what it's just like I was just like oh well here's what what that is right <laughs> uh, the major orchestras have unions and the unions have rules. Yes. Meaning they start and stop at a certain time. This is true. And one of their union rules is because these string players have unbelievably expensive instruments is that the climate has to be controlled. So if it goes <gasps> above a certain temperature, right. certain level or yeah. goes below a certain, they leave with pay. Yes. And so they had this, this industrial yeah. thermometer. <laughs> Oh, that was and a thermometer. And oh the my union God. rules dictated that the thermometer was supposed to be in the center of the concert hall during the entire rehearsal, and if it went above or below. 
And so the oh. oboe player just kind of shook her head and laughed and said, oh, God, no, I'm so sorry. This is not a big, just stick it under your seats. <laughs> and so then finally, after like 30 minutes of me standing in the middle of the, oh, I was wow. not a bright kid. Um, but that was, I don't know. That's a pretty so kind that of was, weird curveball to get on your I know. first gig. And, but oh, it, gosh. It, it threw me for such a loop. I, I was really shaken. I did yeah. not play well. Oh. Um, so here's the pro tip out of that. Don't play with orchestras. No, <laughs> orchestras have strange union rules. If you find a weird box on your chair yeah. and it's got a digital just readout, put it underneath it's your chair. Probably yeah. just a thermometer. If it's ticking, <laughs> okay, run, leave and call the fire marshal or the police. But if it's just a giant metal box that looks like a thermometer, yeah, just put it under your oh, chair. Gosh. And that's my pro tip. I'm so sorry that happened to you, Wally. That I sucks. <laughs> I'll never forget how angry that viola player was at me. Wow. Yeah. Guess yes, what? where are we now? Okay. Oh, and please, if you have a story from the front lines, oh, yeah. send us. So I oh, will create, people are going to have stories. Yeah, I will create a Facebook post um, for this episode, Yeah, and I will have a call to action where I want you to tell the worst thing that's happened to you on a gig. Because <laughs> I bet we have, ours are fairly mild compared to what I imagine some things. Oh, yeah. Though, I got to tell you, leaving not one, but two <laughs> saxophones. Shut up, Wally. <laughs> and that's like... I mean, that's well, a, it's not it's even a good thing you. no one will ever know. I, right. <laughs> and I didn't tell you the story about getting deathly ill in Egypt. <laughs> Let's save that for now. Right? Was, <laughs> There's so many stories. But that wasn't really our fault. That was just bad luck. We ate some bad food. Bad food poison. <laughs> food poisoning. Oh, jeez. Right. Oh, goodness. Well, it is time. <clears throat> yes. Let me open it up. Let me get out the canvas. Oh, the mailbag. No, open it. Okay, so we have mail. We have a question. Yes. Um, and this question is from Curtis. Uh, it says, hi, Dr. Wallace and Dr. Fancher. I'm a second year music education student in Canada at Western University. I recently decided to memorize the Crest and Sonata for a competition Ooh. coming up. I'm wondering if you have advice for memorizing pieces that you have already learned and what approaches you take to this. Also, how does memorizing music affect your mind when you're performing? Wow, great Aw- question. Awesome question, Curtis. Yeah. So? Wow, the Crescent Sonata. That would be great to memorize that. Yeah. Tough piece to memorize. It's Yeah, there's a lot to it. Yeah. Da-da-da-da-da. At least that comes back a few times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, he probably has some of it, more of it memorized than he thinks just from practicing it enough to be able to play it. I agree. So I used to have to do a lot of memorization in the Rolling Phones. Our whole second half of the concert was memorized. Oh, wow. Um, nothing quite as technical as the Creston, however. Yeah. But the way I memorized that music was to take recordings. We would record the piece, and then I would just play along with recording, with the music, without the music, try to see how far I could get with the music, without the music, try to play along with a recording of myself playing the piece. Oh, yeah, So yeah. he could try that, although, you know, probably... Well, he could try that. You never know how far you can get. You might be surprised how much of it you yeah. know. Maybe start with the second movement. Yeah. You know, and get that one in the bag. That one should be relatively easy. I think so. Quote, unquote, easy. Nothing's easy to memorize. But the more you memorize, the easier it gets. I remember when I was doing it a lot, it got it got easier. Yeah. I haven't done much from memory in a while. So now when I try to do it, ugh, it's just daunting. It is. Well, that brings up a good point. It's a muscle. Well, it's not a literally, muscle. Not literally. Well, yeah. But, <laughs> but it's something, it's something yeah. you, you have to keep up. Yeah. And it's, uh, I know so there's a couple weirdos that have like photo photographic memories that just can, I knew a guy in grad school that oh, would. Oh, yeah. He would eat his lunch while looking at the music. And he could memorize it that yeah, way? Yeah, visually. You know, Lone Dex used to memorize pieces on an airplane. 
airplane by singing the solfege. Right, that was aural, yeah. which is yeah. much better. Aural, yeah. A-U-R, yeah, meaning you yeah, could yeah, hear yeah. it, which yeah. is way better. Because this guy that, that memorized it visually would close his eyes, he could picture the page, and he wasn't a particularly great musician because that was the wrong right. sense to bring in. But, but you it, know, if you, if you play by ear a lot... Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to be better at memorizing if you can hear it. So yes. if you slow things down, so if you really could, if you can sing it, yes. you could play it if you play well by ear. And of course, a lot of jazz players play really well by ear because they're improvising. They're trying to play what they're thinking. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a, a thought about that. Yeah. Um, so like you said, being able to hear it and sing it. So I would, a uh, recommendation, which for this great question is take it phrase by phrase. Yeah. Be able to sing it. Yeah, good and if luck you need with to that. if you need to transpose octaves or whatever, you know that's yeah. fine. But slow it down, obviously, because yeah. the crescent's fast. Yeah, da, da, yeah. Da, 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 da. I don't even. I have to get the right pitch. I'm not sure. If yeah, that's yeah, a yeah. Pitch well, we'll have people yeah. call you out here. Okay, yeah, somebody so will say no. You know, each phrase, be able to sing it and hear it in yeah. your in your mind's ear, yeah. and then learn it like that, phrase by phrase, and sing it. But it's there's no quick tip or trick. Yeah. It's just practice. And and I learned this when you mentioned jazz. I started seriously studying jazz where I wanted to transition from more of a classical player, more of a jazz player, not that many, I guess maybe closer to nine years ago. So I was studying with this jazz guru. Yeah. Um, I'll say his name because he's great. I, Chad Eby. Oh, and yeah, I went Chad's to my first great. lesson. He's the finest jazz educator I've ever met. He's yeah. a pain in the ass. He's incredibly sarcastic. <laughs> uh, he's just a jerk. We love him dearly. <laughs> but I will say like, he's the finest jazz pedagogue I've ever met. Yeah. And so for the lesson next week, he said, well, you know, let's, let's transcribe this Art Pepper um, solo. And oh, I said, yeah. okay. And so I said, do you want me to, do I need to put it in a finale or can I just write it on? Uh, he's like, no, you don't. When he, he's like, don't oh, no, no, down, just don't write it down. I was like, well, then technically I'm not really transcribing. Um, <laughs> but I said, okay. He said, no, what you're going to do is you're going to put it on the CD and you're going to go learn it phrase yeah. by phrase and you're going to play along with it. And when you come back for your next lesson, I'm going to put on the CD of Art Pepper Meets the Rhythm Section. And it was, um, it doesn't matter what the tune is. I can't remember yeah. right now. I said, I'm going to play and you play along. And I don't want to know where you start and our pepper starts or stops. I yeah, want it to be gotcha. indistinguishable. Yeah. And so I went home. I was like, all right, how hard, how hard could it be? Right. And it was like, at first it was just miserable because yeah. I would learn maybe eight, 12 bars. Yeah. And I would slow it down. I used the cheating software, which was great. Yeah. And then the big problem was, so I found the next day I would go back to work on more and I'd forgotten. Right. Yeah. The first A section. Yeah. Yeah. And so I found, and it was really mind-numbing. And then I was like, oh, should I just write it out to help myself? And I said, right. no, I don't want to cheat. I'm going to put my faith in this in this jerk and trust the process. <laughs> but I found years later, now that I've been doing it much more regularly, it's yeah. just that muscle that you flex. And yeah. now when I transcribe, it's much more easy to memorize. It's yeah. just, it takes, this is terrible advice, but you're just going to have to do it little bit by bit. and. But th- my advice for the Crescent is really the same. G- yeah. Get a recording of it, preferably of yourself yeah. playing it. And then, you know, basically learn it from your own recording. So you, the the thing with the Crescent is, of course, you can read it yeah. and memorize it. So you can you can approach it from both sides. But I yes. think if you approach it from, okay, how would I transcribe a jazz solo that's not written down? Yeah. And, wow, I can actually cheat and look at the notes. You know, Which the is notes. important because yeah. I know people that wanted to transcribe classical music, and they always end up like leaving out an articulation or something important. Yeah. And then it's hard to work back in. But Yeah. Yeah, just Yeah, small. and just do, yeah, do a phrase at a time. Phrase at a time. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, how does it, uh, the second part of this great question is, how does it affect, when you've yeah. memorized pieces, does it affect the way you perform it? I think so, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you can play things with the music there and play them really freely and person with a lot of personality and yeah. all of that. Um, but if you if you've memorized something, I think you almost are forced into thinking about it in a in a way where it really comes from you rather than from the 
the paper, yeah. if that makes any sense. Yeah. And I also think it's so great for just playing your ability to play by ear if you've memorized yeah. stuff, because that's essentially what you're doing, unless you're the photographic memory guy where he's yeah. kind of reading it. He was a weirdo. In, in his, Don't worry about yeah, that. But, yeah, but when I memorize something, I'm really actually... I'm playing it by ear. I'm not really thinking about, oh, that's a B flat, B natural, C right. natural. I mean, there might be a place here or there where you're like, okay, I have to remember that it, that lick has an A natural and the same lick comes later with a B flat. Right. You might be conscious of some notes like that. But like when you play your scales, when you really know your scales, you're not thinking sharps, flats, fingerings. No. You're just playing them. By ear, by yeah. the, the aural impression in your mind and, and the, the kinesthetic memory. memory. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And have you found that where like I find like, I may not know the slow sections, but the fast sections, just kinesthetic memory, are probably still there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because you can't, yeah, you sometimes can't really sing those as fast. Oh, I know. Oh, no, I can't do it. Yeah, yeah. So if you can sing the Crescent Sonata at tempo... Um, yeah, you should be a singer an, instead of a saxophone player. Make an MP3 and send it care there of you go. Wally at GateCitySax.com. And if you have any questions for us... Yes. Please do emails. We love getting your questions. Yeah. Um, so please do email us. Hit us up on social media, and we'd love to answer your questions on the next episode. Yeah. And in the absolutely. meantime, go to the the Facebook page and um, or or email us, and we might share the worst stories we hear on the next episode. <laughs> the worst things happen to you. And in the meantime, yeah. Sue, Wally, hope you have a wonderful week. Have a great week. We'll see you soon. Bye.